You're listening to the Father's House Podcast. We're in Owensboro, Kentucky. Hope you guys enjoy. If you guys want more information, you can go to thefathershouseky.com. seated comfortably? Great. Can you stand up then? (laughs) Well, first of all, I know you don't know me and you're thinking, sorry, who who, who is this guy? And he sounds really weird. And, uh, but I, I just wondered if we can just take a moment and just put your hands up like this. when I'm speaking but I do know that God's going to do something really powerful at the end of this meeting and I know who's going to do it through and it's not me and I just feel a bit kind of in awe of this moment because it's really precious Holy Spirit, we just honor you. And in this moment, I just want to say thank you for every opportunity we have to gather together in your name and encounter you. And Holy Spirit, I don't really fully know all that you want to do in this meeting. But I do ask that we would just yield to you. We would yield to you. And that you would just pour out your spirit today in exactly the way you want to. In Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, now you can be seated. (laughs) Well, my name is Dan as... Mike already said, and uh, I, I just want to say it really is a privilege to be with you here this morning. Um, I have, uh, I'm from England. Uh, has anyone ever been to England? One person, two? Anyone ever been to a city called Bath? I'm from a city, I'm from a city called Bath. It's a, an old Roman city. And I was born and raised there. Uh, I'm married to a, a wonderful lady named Fiona, also known as Fee. And no, I'm not Shrek, as one <laughs> three-year-old said to me once when my wife introduced herself. Are you Shrek? I'm like, no. What? No. I'm not Shrek. We have three boys. You've met one of them today. And... Uh, Mike mentioned the other, Isaac. We have another one at home, Jonah. He's 15. And uh, been married for 26 years. And uh, yeah, wonderful. Just, just had our anniversary. And 20 years ago, 
we left Bible college in the UK because we got a map of the world and laid it on our bed and said, God, we'll go anywhere in this world where we can best serve you. My whole background is, a, is missionaries going way back several generations. And God gave us a dream of Chicago. So 20 years ago, when the twins were old enough to go on an airplane at 10 weeks, we flew and we just started this little church in a coffee shop. And here we are 20 years later, still just loving God. And there's different groups that are connected with us, but just feel so privileged to be about a part of what God is doing in the world. I've just been in the UK for six weeks. I literally landed back and I was sitting on the couch and my son Isaac called. He said, Dad, you've got to meet this guy called Mike. And so this is the, this is the reflection. This is the other side of it. And I'm just jet lagged. I'm still a bit jet lagged now. I'm in, you know, home church. I don't, I'm not pastoring in the local church or leading it um, on a local level now, but I, uh, I haven't been in my home church for six weeks and talking to Mike, I said, man, we got to get together. And here I am. <laughs> so that was earlier this week and then we went to Asbury and just a beautiful sense of, I'm still trying to find, you know when you're going through, when you, you experience something, but you don't have a language for it yet, and I'm still there, I don't really have a language for Asprey, and I don't want to mess it up, and I don't want to put it in a box, but it was very unusual. A wise man once said, God always moves, when there's revival, it's normally at an, at an unusual time, in an unusual place, with an unusual people. And just watching students clambering with their pajamas on and little they haven't showered for days and, you know, didn't, couldn't really figure out what was going on. You know, they're on stage worshiping, like taking selfies. Look, look, mom, all these people are coming to our college and we don't even really know why. And there was just a sweet normality to this precious sense of the Holy Spirit, not because of a production, not because of a personality, not because of performance, not because of a great gift, just because God just loves people. And he chose sovereignly, as Maddie rightly said earlier, sovereignly just to start to move a few hours away from you, where you all are, here in Kentucky. And I just think God wants to continue it. But if you haven't been, you might be a little underwhelmed. Because I think what God is doing, and I haven't found a language for it yet, but it's just normal. <coughs> it's just normal. It's not an event anymore. It's just like God saying, I love you and I want, to, I want you to encounter this when you get in your car and when you go home. Uh, and just normal. Can you put your hands up if you've been in the church here for less than a year? Wow, a lot of people. Okay, two years. Hands up if you've been here for more than five years. More than 10 years? 15? 20? Any 25? <laughs> Can I get a 30? No. 30? 30? 40? 50 years. Anyone 50 years? Oh, I lost power. If you've been here for more than 25 years, 
Would you mind standing to your feet if you're able? Can we just honour these people? You know... Can you just stay standing just for a moment? I, I don't know you, I don't know this church, but I woke up this morning and I just felt the smile of God on you. And he just wanted to say thank you. He wanted to say thank you for your, your faithfulness to him and to this house. You can grab a seat, thank you. You know, the word dunamis is the word in Acts that is used for the power of the Holy Spirit. It's also the same word for dynamite. And do you know dynamite gets more powerful with age? And if you're older in years, I want to tell you today that dynamite and the power of the Holy Spirit gets more powerful with age. God is not the God of the next generation. He is the God of every generation. And I just feel in the spirit today, God wants to break this divide of just old and young because he needs the older, wiser generation to mentor and push wisdom and help and stand and encourage the younger generation. You're not done. If you have a pulse, you have a purpose. I, I, I love preaching, okay? But I, I don't know what's going to happen today. I'm just kind of finding my way through. Is that okay? Can we just go on a little bit of a journey? I know how the meeting's going to end, but between now and then, and it won't be long, I'm not going to preach forever, but I just, I just want to touch on some things. Is that okay? You know, in the Gospels, three times, Jesus says, no one puts new wine into an old wineskin. If he does, both the wine and the wineskin will be ruined. Okay, let's just back that up. Jesus says this, no one puts new wine, well the new wine is the revelation of Jesus Christ, right? It's the, more, it's the wine, it's the more revelation of who Jesus is, right? And Jesus says no one puts that into an old wineskin. If he does, both the wine and the wineskin will be ruined. Stop. Both the wine and the wineskin will be ruined. Watch this. Jesus is putting a value on the old wineskin. Jesus is putting a value on the wineskin. If he does, both the wine and the wineskin will be ruined. No, Jesus says you put new wine into a new wineskin. Stop. How do you get a new wineskin? What was a wineskin? As we know that a wineskin was an animal, was the skin of an animal. Therefore, in order to get a new wineskin, an animal had to die. Therefore, if we want to make room for the new, something has to die. Death is always life's process. Something has to die in order for something else to live. And so for new wineskin to come, an animal had to die so that the wineskin could was like pink and supple and soft because in that culture, wine had to aerate. It was subject to change. It had to be able to breathe and move. It had to be flexible. 
So if you think about it, then what happens to the old wineskin? The old wineskin, which Jesus puts value on, holds the old wine, and wine gets better with age. So we're not getting rid of old wineskins. We're just saying something has to die in the process of walking with God in order to make room for that which is new. And that which is new is the revelation of Jesus. He's always doing something new. There's always new wine. That's why Ephesians 1, Paul prayed, I pray the eyes of your hearts may be enlightened so that you can know him better, which suggests there's more. Because we can know him better. And we can know him better, and we can know him better, and we can know him better. So God puts a value on the old. And I just want to suggest to us, and I'm just, this part, I, just, I want you to just think about this. It's so important that this new wineskin that's pink and supple can really be able to flex. Because when there's a move of God, God kind of messes with us. He pushes things to see if it irritates us. You know, blessed are the flexible for they shall not be snapped. It's important that we're flexible. It's important that we don't have such locked paradigms. God doesn't do that. He only moves like this. And then he does. With a bunch of college students. And and it's really interesting. They're protecting the college students. College students get to go in. If you've come from outside or around the world to come to see this outpouring, great. But God chose to pour himself out on Generation Z. Why? I mean, I'm just looking at their faces as they were coming up the aisles. And, you know, there's people traveling all over the world, you know, you know, with shofars and revivals here. And then there's this, these students are like, what are you doing? What's going on? God is God and he's sovereignly doing something fresh. And he's going, he's do, he is doing something. As I already said today, he's already begun something here. Don't keep waiting for this outpouring. It's already here. It's already trickling. It's already, and and it's going to get bigger. And you need to get ready. You need to get ready. I just want to provoke you today to be ready. So you don't keep praying for something. And God says, I'm actually already here. It's already begun. It's right here. And we can stir that up. The Bible says that we can hasten the day of his return. So we're praying for revival to come to our church. It's already here, church. It's already here. Okay. Oh. Wow. Mike and Maddie, could you just come and stand right here? Do we have someone who can just stand behind them? Just stand in the middle. You're some good, strong men. Judah, come on. I believe there's a new authority coming on you both there's a new authority there's a new grace that is coming on you both and it's, it is going to be so powerful but for Maddie, for you, and I'm going to have you pray at the end of this service and the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you and something is going to begin here that's, that's going to be unusual. But 
there's a childlikeness, not a childishness, but there's a childlikeness that God is wanting to do, and he's going to do it through you. And it's just this purity of simplicity. And for, for you, Mike, there is a grace and there is authority on you that you need to stand up and have, a, and in this day, I'm going to lay hands on you today just for a fresh confidence and impartation of authority and power. And as this wineskin begins to flex, you're going to step into a new authority. In fact, I'm going to read this to you. Church, are you okay with this? I'm just going to keep being obedient just for a little bit longer, okay? And then we're going to pray. Paul says this to Timothy. He says, the Spirit clearly says that in the last times or the last days, some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. If you point these things out to your brothers, you will be a good minister of Jesus Christ. Mike, this is for you. Brought up in the truths of the faith and the good teachings that you have followed have nothing to do with godless myths and old wise tales, but rather train yourself to be godly. Command and teach these things and do not let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example. Wow. Set an example in these four things in number to the believers. Number one, in your speech. Number two, in your life. Number two, three, in your love. Number four, in your faith, that's is number five, and number five in your purity. I'm going to read those again for you both. That God says, Do not let anyone look down on you because you're young. Command and teach these things. And set an example in to all believers in your speech, in your life, in your love, in your faith, and in your purity. And be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them and so that everybody can see your pro- progress. Holy Spirit. Gentlemen, can you just put your hands on them? Can you just reach out, church? Just reach out. I think this is really important for you as a congregation, what's happening right now that you recognize a a fresh authority and a fresh grace. You know this couple much better than I do. (laughs) But I believe God has sent me here today to say there is a fresh grace. There is a fresh anointing. There is a fresh authority that's going to come on them, not to lord it over, but to, to allow the grace of God to flow in this place, in this region, and in this house, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. I'm not done with you. God's going to do more at the end of this meeting, but if you're able, grab a seat. Thank you, guys. Can I keep going? Okay. If you have a Bible, if you can turn to Deuteronomy, I'm going to just speak to you as a congregation. I've got a few things I just want to just discharge, and then we're going to pray together. Deuteronomy chapter 32. While you're turning there, Ezekiel chapter 1, the prophet says this. He said, and I saw the Spirit of God moving within the wheels. And there were wheels within wheels. And then I saw the four faces of God. And I saw the face of a lion, the face of a man, the face of a lion, and the face of an eagle. Everybody say eagle. 
Church, I'm just talking to you as a congregation right now. I just sense this, that if, that, that if God, if Ezekiel saw the faces of God, and those faces were those four, three animals on the face of man, there is something about those animals that we can learn about the very nature of God. Somebody already said it today about a lion. The Bible says the righteous are as bold as a lion. The devil prowls around like a lion. He's not a lion. Jesus is the lion. And we're as bold as a lion. Come on. You know, a lion is not the the, the fastest animal in the jungle. Neither has he got the strongest bite or the greatest grip. He's not the biggest. He's not the strongest. He's not the fastest. Then why is he the king of the jungle? The reason why is this. Because he believes he is. And I've gone through these different, the ox and the lion and the man and the eagle. And I've studied them to like, God, what is it? And then finding the thread through scripture. And I want to just talk for a few moments about an eagle. Everybody say the eagle. Deuteronomy chapter 38. Let's read it together. Verse, sorry, Deuteronomy 32, sorry. Verse 11. Like an eagle that stirs up its nest and hovers over its young, that spreads its wings to couch them and carries them on its pinions. Like an eagle that stirs up the nest. Do you know a mother eagle, after having the eaglets, high up in that tree will actually begin to stir up and break up the nest and as the eagle does this or the parent eagles it causes a huge amount of instability in the little baby eaglets they're freaking out they're high in a tree and now they're looking down for the first time in their life to sudden death And here what the Deuteronomy is saying is in this way, as a mother stirs up the nest, breaks up the nest, causing the eaglets to fall, she then sweeps down and catches them on her wings, on her pinions, and brings them back up to the nest. And you know, they do this about seven to ten times until the eagles learn to fly. And what I want to say to you this morning, church, is this. I believe that God is deliberately stirring things in this house right now. And and you can pray, and you can resist the devil, and you can say, I don't like it. This isn't God. I rebuke you, Satan. And I want to suggest to you, perhaps it's not Satan at all. That it's actually God who is actually removing things and stirring. Everyone say stirring. There's a stirring going on because God, he wants you to fly why because you're destined to fly why because you're not meant to just stay in a nest God is upsetting things you know when we are most vulnerable we are most teachable stirring turn to the person next to you and say there's a stirring going on Mm. number two I don't really write notes here, but number one, there's a stirring. Number two, there's a strengthening. Will you turn that, say that with me? There's a strengthening happening. 
When those little eaglets start to fall and flap their wings because the mother knows that their feathers are strong enough that they can actually fly, they begin to fly. Why? Because they were created to fly. Why? Because they are destined to fly. And this is a time I believe the church is growing up. It's growing up. It's a time for the church to grow up, to mature. When I was a child, I thought like a child. I talked like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I put childish things behind me. There's a a Greek word, teleos, which means mature, fully grown. Paul says, I make it my goal to present every man teleos in Christ. I'm not going to go off here on a tangent here, but teleos, if you do a study on it, it's so powerful because it talks about God's ultimate plan for everything. And his ultimate plan for us is that we be mature. Strengthening. Strengthening. My parents live in Kabul, Afghanistan. I wouldn't normally say this, but that's where they live. They live there. They lived right the way through when the United Nations left, and they were just committed to staying. I'm going to be careful for their own protection. I don't say more than that. But they're still there. They're there right now. They're in their 70s and they will spend the rest of their life there. They have five children and 18 grandkids and they said goodbye to us and they said, we, you may not ever see us again, but we'll see you in eternity. Whatever you do, make sure you finish your race. And I said this to my mom. I said, mom, I just so, I just admire your passion. And she looked at me. If you knew my mother, she's a strong and powerful woman. She said, do you know what passion means, Daniel? Well, when my mother says that to me, I'm like, probably not. And she said, you know, passion is the degree of difficulty we're willing to endure in order to reach our God-given goal. I said that again. She said, passion is the degree of difficulty we're willing to endure in order to reach our God-given goal. Passion has got nothing to do with just happy, clappy, oh, I'm so excited. The passion of the cross was all about suffering. For the joy set before him, Hebrew says, he endured the cross. You know that joy was you and me? He loves us. He was so passionate about us. We were worth it. There's a strengthening happening. I have a friend. Um, he's a pastor uh, and oversees different, um, these different congregations. And I was talking to him a few years ago. He's in Canada, in Canada and he said this. He said, I did this word from this prophet that God was allowing an enemy into my camp, into my life, not to harm me, but to train me. And I'm like, wait, what? Dude, bro, I don't know about that. You know, I'm all, I love prophetic, but it better not contradict the word. He was right. What do you think about that? I said, I don't really get it. And then I found this in the scripture. I'm sending you out, Jesus says, like lambs amongst wolves. I'm like, wow. And in Peter it says, your adversary, the devil, prowls, not, Je- not, not God's adversary, our adversary. The devil prowls around. And I, I started to think about the importance of an enemy. And I think sometimes we can underestimate the importance of an enemy. Watch this. Your friends will create comfort, but your enemies will create movement. Stay with me, stay with me. An enemy, by definition, is anything or anyone that hinders us from fulfilling our destiny. 
And then this hit me. Ready? Watch this. Jesus said to Peter, he calls him Satan. Do you remember? Get behind me, Satan. But to Judas, when Judas came in to kiss him, he said, my friend. What? What? Why? Jesus, why did you call Peter Satan and Judas my friend? Because an enemy is anything or anyone that stops us or hinders us from fulfilling our God-given destiny. The reason Jesus came was to die on the cross. So Judas was helping him. So he's like, thanks, buddy. Enemies are not always bad. They make us better. They make us stronger. Psalm 100. Ready? Watch this. Praise the Lord, O my soul. All that is within my innermost being, praise his holy name. He heals all of my disease. He forgives all of my sin. He fills my life with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Wait, what? We're back to eagles again. What did David, who wrote this, know about eagles? But there's something he's saying. He's a spinner like eagle, so he renews our youth like the eagles. Why? What? Does anyone know about eagles getting renewed? What does that even mean? So I, I did some studies, and this is why. Because it's one of the faces of God. And this is what I found out. Many eagles are around 30 years old go through a season of molting. Everyone say molting. Not all eagles go through it. Many eagles live to 50 years old. But some of them do. And it's the most tragic, horrific experience that this beautiful, majestic eagle can possibly go through. And the first thing that happens is their feathers fall out. So beautiful, this eagle and the feathers are now falling out to the point that it can no longer fly. Secondly, his eyes, his vision, his sight. You know, a healthy eagle can see a rabbit a mile away. But this eagle, when goes through the season of molting, starts to go dim and their vision begins to wane. Church, I'm talking to us. Because for what God wants to do right now, not tomorrow, today, and what he's already begun in you, this is really important. Because some of you feel like you've lost your beauty. And some of you feel like you've lost your vision. The third thing that happens to an eagle is their sense of hearing goes. They could hear really clearly, really sharply, but now they couldn't. Some of you know what that's like. I could hear God. I could see prophetically. I could hear him. I could hear him. I could hear his voice, but I, I can't. Number four. Their beak begins to get this big callus on top of it, which causes, and the weight of the callus causes his head to bow. That's horrible. This beautiful bird does not speak of shame. Their heads bowed. They can't lift up their head anymore. Whereas the psalmist says, lift up your heads, O you gates, be lifted up, you everlasting doors. Let the king of glory come in. But suddenly our head, which speaks of authority, begins to bow. Some of you know what that's like. Number five, their talons. Or number six, their talons, their claws become callous so they can no longer hunt. And this beautiful bird begins to withdraw. The seventh thing, by the way, is it begins to let off this horrible odor 
pretty sad. This gets better. Stay with me. Thank <laughs> you. God, this is heavy. <laughs> and they seek isolation. You know, after COVID, I've watched so many of God's people seek isolation. They don't know what's happening. The odor, if you like, they don't even want to be around themselves. I don't know what's happened to me. I used to be able to hunt. I used to be able to see. I used to be able to hear. I used to have my head lifted up, but I just got beaten up. You know, there is a weariness that's trying to attach itself to God's people. In Daniel chapter 7, it says, Before the Ancient of Days comes, the enemy will come to weary the saints. The word weary means to make old before it's time. Some of you are there, or you've been there. And I believe God wants to touch us this morning so that we can take him with us everywhere we go. So we can take hope with us everywhere we go. The sweetness of his presence everywhere we go. With clear eyesight, with clear hearing, with heads lifted up, with the ability to hunt, the ability to get into God's word again afresh and get revelation because the eyes of our hearts are being opened so that we can know the hope to which he's called us and to know him better. These birds seek the company of other people, of other eagles that are going through the same thing. In storms, they'll just sit shivering because they've got no feathers to keep them warm and they can't hunt and they begin to starve literally to death. And finally, the molting eagle loses its appetite and begins to die. And this is where it gets better. Suddenly. Will you say suddenly? I love Acts chapter 2. It starts with suddenly. You know, the Lord rarely moves immediately, but he always moves suddenly. There's a suddenly that happens. And there's a scream that happens above these eagles as they're huddled together in the rain, waiting to die. And some scientists say those screams are screams of encouragement from other eagles. Eagles that know what it's like to have been weary, that know what it's like to have gone through a season of death and barrenness, a season of molting where they could once see and hear and hunt, but now they couldn't, a season where they were beautiful and majestic, where they could fly, and now they can just hop around like turkeys. And it's these older, maturer eagles that are screaming, some scientists say, words of encouragement. And you know what they do? They'll go and hunt for the molting eagles, catching fresh meat, rabbit, and then bringing it to them and dropping it in front of them so that they can start to be restored. And then... During the weather, where there's storms, the older eagles come and they open their wings and they protect the molting eagles. They cover them with their wings. Sound familiar, Psalm 91? He covers us with his wings. Whew. I gotta read this, I gotta read this. Isaiah 40. Do you not know? 
Have you not heard that the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator to the ends of the earth? He will not grow weary. Can I suggest that weariness is from the enemy? It is never from God. We get tired. Jesus got tired, but he never got weary. And the Bible says, do not grow weary in doing good. We're going to pray against weariness today. Break a spirit of weariness. You know, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon us because he's anointed us too. Everyone say two. Isaiah 61. He's anointed us too. Set captives free to bind up the brokenhearted. To bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. The oil of gladness instead of mourning. And a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. You know, it's a spirit of despair. And we're called to break that spirit and live free. Okay, back to my notes. Right. I'm nearly done. He will not grow weary or tired his understanding. No one for that. He gives strength to the weary and he increases the power of the weak. Number three, finally, brothers, there is a soaring happening. There is a restoration. There is a renewing. There is a strengthening for the weariness, for people who've been through seasons of molting. Something is beginning to happen. Watch this. The last thing that a molting eagle has to do in order to live is to pull himself onto the rock. He has to pull, she has to pull herself onto the rock. Who's the rock? And these eagles will literally lie on the rock face. The second thing they have to do is be in the sun. It's something, you know, here's where soaking makes sense. To lie on the rock in the sun. To bathe in his presence and say, Lord, here I am. Thank you for feeding me. Thank you for covering me. Thank you for restoring me. And thank you for renewing me like the eagles. Here I am, Lord. I feel nourished. I feel the strength beginning to come back. Some of you this morning, God supernaturally is going to just, is going to restore your eyesight. He's going to restore your hearing. He's going to restore your beauty. He's going to restore your ability to, for, for fresh revelation from the meat of the word again. Some of you have stopped reading your Bibles because of disappointment and for that you would never tell anyone. He's like, yeah, you know enough word. You store it inside of you, but you stop feeding. God says, I fed you, but I'm restoring you so you can feed yourself and feed others. I've called, you know, I believe this is going to be a screaming eagle church where people are going to come beaten up, lost, broken from all walks of life. And they're going to come through these doors. Service after service after service after service. And people are just going to be fed. And they're going to be covered. And they're going to be loved. And they're going to be restored like eagles. I'm nearly done. Let's just, can we all stand? I don't know how long I've got, but I'd rather just, just turn this, just to let God start to do stuff. Um, I'm going to finish this. Ready? But those, even youth grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But, but, those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. 
they will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk, but they will not get faint. I want to ask you if you can, there's a little bit of room here, just to be able to find, just maybe spread out a little bit and lift up your arms like an eagle, wherever you are. Just lift, musicians, if you can come. Amazing musicians.